Hello, and welcome to the Ask the Industry Podcast, episode 111. I'm comedian Simon Kane, and for those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, and today, cruise ships. Daniel Bartrope and Robin Cahill are both from Don Casino Entertainment, one of the biggest cruise ship entertainment companies in the world. I got them on during the Edinburgh Festival where they were scouting for new talent to talk about what they're looking for, what it takes to work as a cruise ship comedian and what you can and can't say on the boat, as well as how the comedians deal with dying on stage and having to live with the audience that didn't like what they did. I found this fascinating and really interesting. As I mentioned in the podcast, my parents have recently started going on a lot of cruises and constantly tell me how much they enjoyed the entertainment on those cruises. Also, I've had friends of mine do gigs on cruise ships and give me the other side of it, shall we say, and they're not always positive, they're not always negative, but there's a varying degree between the two of responses and reactions to doing theatres on ships. So I found it really interesting to get their perspective. I hope you enjoy it as well. If you're new here, please do remember to hit the subscribe button. If you're old here, please do remember to give us an honest, ideally positive review in iTunes. And either way, please do join the Facebook group. It's called RC Industry Podcast and it's on Facebook, obviously. Before I hit play on the podcast, I just want to say that I have signed up for the Edinburgh Festival and I am currently previewing a show around the country. I won't go on about where and when that's going to be right now, but if you want to take a look in the show notes and have a look and see where I'm going to be previewing and where I'm going to be at the Edinburgh Festival, uh, that would be great. I really appreciate seeing some of your faces at these shows. It's always lovely to have the audience come down and say, hey, it's me, I'm the person who tweets you, or hi, I'm a regular listener and I love it. So if you could come down to a show, that would be really appreciated, and or the Edinburgh Festival. And if you're not able to come down, if you could just pass on the message to a friend who's in the area, that would be massively, massively appreciated, and I can't thank you enough for the support. But for now, without any more delays, this is Dan Bartrope and Robin Cahill. Hi, my name is Robin Cahill. I'm the Vice President of Operations and Development for Don Casino Agency in Miami, Florida. We're a talent agency that specializes in booking talent for the cruise industry. Uh, My background is in the cruise industry as a buyer. So I worked with Royal Caribbean for 20 years and I worked for Disney Cruise Line for four years. And I've now been with Don Casino for about four years. My name is Daniel Bartrop and I am the talent manager of Don Casino. So um, I'm kind of the scout looking around for our new talent and coaching them, making sure they know what's going on when they go to the ships. Uh, my background is uh, from the ships. I used to work on board as a cruise director. Before that, I was a performer myself uh, in London. Um, and so I've been with Don Casino now for two years. Cool. Um, I think the best place to start then is scouting. Um, how do you look for talent and what exactly makes a cruise performer? Um, well, the best place to kind of scout for talent for us, um, I always think it's a little bit like dating. Uh, when you're trying to find someone, it's always a good idea to say, uh, you know, a friend of a friend. So I think a really good way to find talent is ask some of our great comics that we already have on our roster. Do you know anyone? Um, that happens a lot. We'll, they'll send in their fellow comics they've met out there working. Um, we also get a lot of people just knowing of us, of course, and submit through the website. So a lot of people go onto our website and send us their clips, and then we'll review promo. So promo is kind of the key for us, um, because people are all over the world. So it's not like you can say, hey, I have a show on Friday, come and see it, and where are you? Oh, Pakistan. Well, that's a bit too far. So if you could just send a promo, (laughs) that would be easier. Um, So promo is the key for us. So the the better the promo, the, the more likelihood of us wanting to know more about you. Um, And then, of course, you physically can come and look at talent, which is what we're doing here at the Edinburgh Fringe. Mm. And what, so a promo is like a 90-second clip, or is it, how how long do you want? Because I'm assuming you're booking a comedian to do an hour or a 20-minute spot on the ship. Do you want to see that? What's... The point of the promo, really, is to sell yourself um, in as short of time as possible, I would say. it's it's a very fast-paced business and the buyers at the cruise lines of course managing um some up to 25 to 30 ships at a time so they don't have a lot of time to sit and watch a 10-minute tape of a comic so if you can kind of throw in your best gags and some audience participation in it so we can see how you're working with an audience 
um and like 90 seconds two minutes five minutes would be max but you know if you can we have the time as agents to sit and watch many 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 to make sure we've got our backs covered and this is a solid act but the actual buyers don't have that time so they need to see a quick promo um and they see your best bits and go okay yeah it looks good it looks funny just going to add something to that. I would leave out the two minutes of accolades that lead up to the. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there yeah. because a lot of people will send us videos like that. And honestly, after five seconds, it's enough. You know, we've seen enough of the accolades and no buyer will sit through that. Um, make sure that the, the promo that you send is very high quality. Um, it's really important to have high resolution photo photos that are representative of what you do. I know it's hard for a stand up, but it could even just be a stand up, you know, looking maybe how you like to look in your show uh, with a microphone just there. Um, but a, a headshot doesn't really work or, you know, standing up in, you know, in front of a forest that doesn't really work. So, <laughs> you know, something that's a little more representative, like against the brick wall, that's obvious. People know you're a stand-up comic then if you, if you kind of do a photograph that way. Mm. So it just helps to have the promo really representative of mm. what you do. Um, and it's always good to have a little bit of live footage so that the buyer can see in front of an audience. I mean, if it's all voiceover, then it doesn't really help the buyer. I, th I think my, my experience of doing American and UK gigs is America are much more uh, hot on bigging up the act at the start and kind of reading out their CV. I think, I think over, I don't know how your experience is, but I think over here we kind of go, you might have seen them in Leicester. Yeah, guys, come over. Whereas in America, they sort of go, he's been on Netflix, he's done this, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I, I always found that weird because when I was over there, they were just sort of reeling off everything I've ever done. And it sort of felt a, a, a lot more pressured in that way it was kind of like wh why does everyone need to know every like surely give me a chance in this room is that similar to what you're I mean obviously you don't want to sit for everything every way but is it similar to the fact you just want to get to let's just see you live it doesn't matter if you never won anything let's just or do you take stock to awards what what's I, I think awards go a long way. I mean, some of our buyers really, uh, especially when it comes to singers, they want people who have done The Voice. They want mm -hmm. people who have been on X Factor and American Idol. So they are looking for that. Um, of course, they'll hire people that aren't, that haven't done that. But but yeah, the the I think it's a good idea to put it out there. They don't. It doesn't always have to be announced, but to have it, access to it is important. So we can maybe build a profile on our website that shows what what you've done. I mean, one thing a buyer you have to understand that some of the buyers in the cruise industry haven't come from the entertainment industry. They might have come from administration or operations or somewhere else and they've kind of slipped into a position where they find themselves buying talent now and for the first time in their lives. So you really have to kind of spell it out for them and, and give them a real accurate picture of what this person does because they don't have the vision to really see beyond. I mean, someone like Daniel and I, we've been working in the industry a long time. We have the vision, but we'll advise the performer, we can't put this on the website like this. You need to send us something where you're dressed better or you, you've, you know, we, we need to see what it's going to look like because we know what our buyers are up against. So you, you keep saying the word buyer. So for people who, who have no knowledge of this industry at all, that's someone who works on the ship or they work in an office who, who just kind of in-house in bring in, or sorry, outsource to you to bring in the talent for the ship or how, how does the buyer element of that work then? Correct. So every cruise line will have um, a buyer, as you say, or a booker. Um, and they have different capacities depending on the cruise line. Some may look after uh, many ships. Uh, some cruise lines have people one per ship. Uh, so it really does vary. Yeah, and then it kind of is up to us to go to them with our trusting relationship. Like, we promise you this guy is funny. <laughs> and they go, okay, uh, let's look at some promo. Um, so yes, these people are working in the offices. They'll book the talent and then the act would go on board. And when the act gets on board, there's then management on board who will look after the scheduling, for example. And that would normally be the cruise director. Mm. And how much do the, the buyers or the team at the cruise line dictate what they want do they do they know we're after this type of comic or do they just go we just want a comic that will work in this room um a lot of it might fall on our knowledge um so we like to check where for example there's so many factors and comedy i think is the hardest on cruise ships because it's so specific to who's going to be sitting in the audience i think a singer is a good singer or not a good singer 
um, they can have the credentials as well, which helps. But with a comic, um, if you've got an all-British audience, you're not going to put an American comic on. Um, but often we'll have the hardest and the most uh, difficult to book, I think, is when you have an international mix. You've got uh, Australians in the audience, uh, Americans, Brits, and European in general. <laughs> it's like, wow, some Germans there for, the, for some fun. Um, <laughs> And that's the hardest because you have to find a comic that can appeal to all nationalities. So it's it's kind of we don't want to put anyone on for a first time out in an audience. They're not going to work, and then they get that bad report back and they've hated their time on board and it just wasn't a match. So we're really trying put an act somewhere we think it'll be good for them, but judged on their comedy and their promo and our experience with them. Um, yeah, just to add to that a little bit, um, some of the buyers uh, or bookers from the cruise lines have had more experience in the industry than others. So there are some they know what they're looking for and they can look at a video right away and say yes or no. Um, they, maybe they've been a cruise director before and they've moved up into an office position shoreside. Um, but some of the others, like I said before, are coming from administrative positions and they've just kind of landed in this job because they're good at scheduling mm. so now they have to also learn the talent side and some of those will rely more on us and because we want to maintain our reputation we're very careful how we how we um, put new talent out there um, we just did a showcase as a matter of fact for a couple of the British lines and we had three comics on the showcase and I would say um, you know all of them appeal to different lines so some of the lines would like one comic versus the other lines would like the other comic. So it really just depends on their demographics. Yeah, my, my parents uh, in the last five or six years have started going on cruises. And I remember just before I came up here, he's, oh, he's on one, they're on one now, asking my dad which one he picked and why. And I remember looking in the brochure and I saw, I can't remember who it was. I think it was like Pr Princess Group or something like that. He said, oh, no, you don't go on that one. I'm not old enough for that one yet kind of thing. <laughs> And so it felt like it felt like they all have such a demographic mm -hmm. yes. that they're trying yes. to appeal to in a way that most holidays don't, because yes. you're kind of uh, signing up to be pushed around, not pushed, you know, you signed up to be moved around quite a lot mm -hmm. and and to be entertained in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering whether it's chicken and egg, whether you're part of that. Uh, I don't want to say branding, but that part of um, let's appeal to a certain demographic through these acts, or whether they whether the buyers and the, the team there go, we're trying to appeal to these people, do you have people that match? What's what's chicken and egg in that? What goes first for you guys? Well, just to, just to clear up one thing that you had to say about the cruise lines pushing the people around, mm. it, that used to be the case. I've been in the industry okay. a long time, and it used to be that there were two times for dinner, two times for shows, you know, and everybody kind of had, and then you wanted to capture a, a moment for revenue opportunities. So walk them through the shops before they get to dinner. That's really changed. And most of the cruise lines now have become very open with several different restaurants on board, um, show times kind of all over the place and shows up against other shows to give the guest um, an, an opportunity to really kind of plan their own cruise. So it doesn't really fall into the, um, uh, you know, you have to do this show at a certain time, then this. It's kind of like the fringe. You know, it's yeah. all over the place. You choose what you want to do now. Um, so that's that's kind of changed. Just so I just wanted to yeah, make sure that your audience understands that. Um, but yes, when it comes to an all British line, for example, like some of the US lines will send ships over to, to Europe in the summer, and some of their ships will be dedicated to to a UK market. So they're really only marketing in the UK market. So for those ships, we're going to put forward acts that are really applicable to that market. So we wouldn't put forward an American comic. Whereas other uh, other ships of theirs in their fleet might be catering more, much more to the American crowd. So they're marketing to an American audience. So there we are going to try to find either British comics that can work to an international audience or we'll fly somebody over from the States. Now, picking up on something you said as well, just there about uh, your dad um, and not <laughs> being older, <laughs> you'll find it's actually changing a lot as well. Not only is it just the demographics um, in terms of nationality, but it's also of age. Um, so, for example, uh, it's the cruise industry is just changing. It's it's such an enormous pace right now. The ships are bigger and bigger. Um, the Symphony of the Sea is currently out there now with over 6,000 guests, I believe, on board. Um, three to 4,000 crew members. It's like these floating cities. Mm. Um, so they're appealing now to not older, but now to family and younger and young mm. professionals. 
now already in the american market it's taken off so it's it's 25 to 40 year olds will go cruising so they have comedy clubs on board with the late night material um instead of just your clean material on a, on a main stage so um there is knowing that as well if you're going to do a three or a four day cruise that's going to be people wanting to get drunk and have a good time with a younger comic mm-hmm. um as opposed to a 14 day voyage from <laughs> russia to hong kong mm-hmm. is definitely going to be an older clientele so it's almost like there's for sure um, a market for almost any type of comedian but again it's just knowing where to put them and we can look at that from where the ship is who's on board and how long the voyage is yeah i, w- I wasn't trying to imply an, an older crowd go and cru- I personally I was looking at doing one at some point because my dad and my mum in particular have talked it up so much where they've gone you don't have to cook like they just do it all <laughs> for you which was a big plus point for my mum and they you don't have to travel as such because you feel like you're traveling like in the same way they've done road trips before and they're like you don't feel like you're traveling because you you just don't notice it as such I mean you obviously see it out on the deck and stuff but you just not do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel the oh, same. No, I know you. It's open your window one day and you're like, oh, look, Venice. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. It's, it's weird. And when you come back to land personally after working on ships for years, mm. it's kind of odd just to open up your window and you're like, oh, it's the same view. <laughs> <laughs> We're still here. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of odd. So, yeah, totally. And I can imagine putting aside the talent on stage, there's certain skills that an act just has to have in terms of being able to uh, adjust to performing at different times of the day or, or adjust to different... Uh, or, uh, I mean, do they pick people up? I that's like, uh, just thought about this. Do they pick people up on the way around? Like if they so if they started in Venice and they went to Dover, do they pick people up in Dover? I don't actually, I've never actually been on a cruise. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering whether the language barriers would change if you start picking people up in other areas. It really varies to as to how the cruise line wants to put the talent on and off the ship. Mm. They're limited by cabin space and how many cabins are allotted for entertainment. So sometimes on a longer voyage, they'll have to um, uh, ship hop people or switch people uh, in different ports. So if a, if a ship is sailing out of Southampton and doing the Med, for example, they might um, you know, have a couple of performers get on in Southampton and then get off in Naples. And then a couple more will get on and work Naples to Greece. And then a couple more will get on and work within the Greek Isles. And it really just depends on the itinerary and how many nights they have to fill with, uh, with different types of entertainers. So they'll do that. Um, and we always know in advance how that's going to work so that's how we'll offer the dates and we'll let them know you're getting on in the middle of one cruise working to the middle of the next cruise or you're getting on in the middle of the cruise and working to the end of the cruise um, we, we usually have a pretty good idea of how they're going to be needed so we can prepare the talent in advance and let them know what's what's going to be expected so, so how many shows a day would you do on the boat and obviously it would depend on the ship and, and sort of their structure but how many would a comedian be sort of asked to do let's say they were doing a week's cruise would it be sort of like edinburgh so it'd be like two three shows a day and would they need to do new material in each one because obviously i'm wondering what the burn rate is for material given that the audience isn't going to change as quickly or as readily as a comedy club would so it really really varies um certain lines have comedy clubs and the the comics are hired to work every night in that club and they can do the same material because the clubs are small and they have to rotate the guests through it so everyone has a chance to see the shows usually there's one or two comics splitting a show Um, then there are the lines that have uh, that are much smaller that everybody has to do a main show and usually that show is repeated to a second seating that can be the same material and then later on in the cruise they'll do a completely different second show Um, and usually shows around 45 minutes main shows and then again they would have to repeat that to a second seating so Oftentimes, I'd say the majority of the times a a comic will go on and work two shows. Maybe not two different 45s, but maybe a 45 and a 20. The 20 could be part of a split variety show, could be a farewell show, could be a welcome aboard show. But most of our our talent would need to have at least an hour to an hour and 10 of, of material that can be broken out into a 45 and a 20 of clean material. Some Cruise lines will want a, a main show that's clean, a 45-minute show, and then a 30-minute late-night show. And that can usually be a little bit more risque. When you say clean, is it just because my experience of doing clubs that say clean, 
it just means no swearing and none of the isms. So like no racism, sexism, Trumpism. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I well, is that, what, no is that not becoming more? La- we cannot oh, okay. mention the T words now. Very interesting. It's it's just it's yeah it's it's the new swear word actually because it, you say the T word and you'll have a line of guests ready to complain. It's just it's either, just either way, even if they're e- pro either or way, okay. either way. It's like 50-50 right. and it's just such a divide. It's just uh, <laughs> anytime we get a new comic, it's like no T word. Like it's, <laughs> like what's that stand for? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's yeah, not yeah. a swear word, but it, it is. Um, so clean, really what we mean is on a ship, it's there could be family in the audience. There could be kids there. There could be older people. So it's not just about not swearing. It's just got to appeal to as if families were in the audience as well. Um, so yeah, it's th- there's definitely, I would say, more opportunities for a clean comic in the cruise industry because that would mean you're going to be in the theater performing your 45-minute show as opposed to the comedians in the clubs. Um, there's not all of the ships um, have the clubs, but they all have a theatre stage. How do pe- how do comedians then try out for ships? Like, do you put them on for one day and try it that way? Is it like a not okay, go okay? No. Well, no in my, I'm just saying, in my um, experience, and I'm sure you've gone through this. That's the risk, though. That's the risk we have to take. Is when before we even want to sign an act and put them out there. That's why so much research goes on. So from my side of it, when I worked on board, the backlash. Uh, maybe I think you were touching on this with your friend. It's pretty horrendous if it doesn't go well for an act because they're trapped on board with the guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did have one or two instances where it happened, and it's it's you know it's unnerving and it's it's kind of sucks because you want everyone to succeed and and all these people are on on their holidays so they're there to have a good time. And I think that's the that's why most comics love it because they are guaranteed a sellout audience of over a thousand people a night laughing and and cheering. There's no pressure about having to fly her outside on the cruise ship mall like come and see a show Uh, they'll just be there so I think that's a a huge appeal and what a lot of the draw is for a lot of comics to have that packed out audience every time they get on that stage yeah I was thinking about that whether whether there's like a low number that they don't run gigs for because obviously there's there's a captive audience there that aren't going to go away but like you said because there's so many other things happening at the same time it could be like the fringe where a hundred people turn up instead of a thousand because they've gone to other things or they're all at dinner or just anything could clash so is it like if there's only two people in the audience they go maybe we'll pull this gig I mean like what's what's the low end for a gig to gen- obviously get it there is no capacity. low end oh so if there's no, like one will, person if, if there's, there's a still show schedule they'll do a show schedule they'll do the show they do ch- they're pretty experienced at at um, scheduling on board so I th- for an off night would be a night where a ship is overnighting in a port and a lot of the guests get off the ship to go out for dinner or go for a show shoreside or something like that they'll still put something on the stage that night for those guests who opt to stay on board and then that can be a low count Um, but usually that show is scheduled again for later in the cruise and then there are more guests there so um, most people will have the opportunity to to perform for a full theater and it would be mean to put a comic on the overnight. I always try to avoid that. You kind of want to put the more visual thing or something and keep yeah. the comics for the busy nights, for sure. Yeah. Completely, completely. Yeah. The TV and the radio industry are very much geared to youth and very much geared to finding the next big thing. I'm wondering what your definition of next big thing is and whether you're looking for sort of an act that has a longevity, so like a 20-year-old who can go for a long time, or whether you're just looking for an experienced act who obviously would be better than someone who's not been going very long. What's... What's new and what's exciting talent for you? I mean, I would say it's a bit of both, again, depending on the line, because the, the bigger ships and these younger uh, guests on board, they want the younger, fresher comics. A lot of these people, a lot of my generation, the 30-year-olds, go to comedy clubs now a lot. We watch it on TV. Comedians are the new rock stars selling out arenas. So there's high expectations within our uh, demographic. So with that, it's, um, it's great to find this new talent with new material that aren't the uh, same old cruise ship jokes. You know, how about that buffet? And how about that airport? <laughs> Um, so it's great, whereas those older jokes will work with the older demographic. So it's great to get the experience one, because for us, it's like a trust, like, oh, this will be fine. We've, we've nothing to worry about him. He'll go and do a great job. He's done X, Y, and Z. Um, but it's also exciting to find the younger talent who can go out there and, and appeal to everyone still, but with fresh material. So we really are looking for everything. Um, one of the things to bear in mind also, especially with younger performers, is experience level in just dealing with life on board, <laughs> because that can be um, a, that, that can make or break an act if they get on board a ship and they don't know how to behave properly. Sometimes younger people will find themselves, you know, hanging out with the crew in the 
in the crew bars, um, going to the bars too much. And then you have the other guests on board saying, oh, isn't, wasn't he the comic that we saw earlier? Oh, look, he's really wasted over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a good thing. So certainly um, performers who have been around the block, who have been on board before, know how to behave. Um, they uh, value the work. They want to continue being able to work in this industry so they don't mess up. Whereas sometimes the younger performers, we have to really counsel the performers. Daniel does a, a call with anyone who's new, who's not been out, either been out on a ship before or out on a particular line to to review the different policies. There's policies and rules on board for all the talent. Um, and it's really important that um, they dress properly, that they know where they're supposed to go and not supposed to go, that they show up on time for their rehearsal, that they're not too demanding, that they're not divas on board. There are There is a lot of that. A lot of that can, can be equally as important as the actual material in the show itself. So there... When I do a gig, if I go to a club, I, I'm there for maybe two, three hours. I'll do 20 minutes. And between that, I don't feel on as such. So like if I watch the first half because I'm on the second half, I feel like I can just blend in quietly and sit at the back and, and it's fine. And then if I need to get changed into something, I can do that later. Would it be fair to say that the act is on as such for the time they're on the ship because there's always the audience watching them? Or is there much time for downtime or, or alone time? Or how does that work for them? There is a lot of downtime and alone time, and a lot of our comics that are writers will use that time in their cabin to work on their material, develop new material, or writing books, or whatever they're working on. Others are more social and love being out and about and seeing all the guests. They will, the guests will come up and talk to them all the time. They'll critique their shows. They'll, <laughs> they'll come and tell them I loved you. They'll come up and tell them I didn't like your show, Mrs. Y. <laughs> um, and they have to be able to take that. Once you have performed, you're then on because then you're recognized. So enjoy that first night <laughs> when no one knows who you are. You walk around the buffet and have fun. No one will talk to you. But then as soon as you perform, it's, the, I mean, you're an ambassador now for that cruise line. You're the celebrity on the ship. They want to get to know you. They want to tell you, oh, I know a joke you should put in your material. Um, My grandson would love to be a comedian. Maybe you could talk sometime. That kind of stuff. But um, yeah, you're on once you've performed. And it's kind of cool, though, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of um, some of the lines, the smaller ships, the the more luxurious, we call them, the, the much more expensive. Those guests will invite the performers to dinner they'll invite them to the bar and you're expected to be out and about and socialize the entire time so even though you may just have two shows in 10 days those other eight days you need to be around the ship having drinks with people and talking to them um because that's what the guests want that's they feel like they they owed that kind of time with you to get to know you you're kind of because uh, you mentioned disney cruise lines before and in my head and forgive me if i'm misrepresenting or misthinking about performers it feels very much like uh, uh, when you're at disneyland for example, there's characters hanging around and just sort of like taking part in breakfast and all that sort of stuff. It feels like a very similar case of events if you're one of the performers. Is that is that a good way of looking at it? or is Yes, absolutely. And on Disney Cruise Line, there are characters who yeah, are doing the same types of things and the performers as well. So all of the performers on Disney Cruise Line are representing the brand. So mm. they're extremely careful to, in protecting their brand. So they're very careful who, who they will even hire mm. to, put, to go on their ships. So we're really, we really vet the performers uh, before before we put anybody on Disney Cruise Line. So we, first of all, of course, want them to be successful. Yeah. Um, but second of all, we, we understand that brand. Definitely. Probably just because I worked there for, for so long, I think we understand that brand better than most other agencies. Yeah, definitely. I, I found it really interesting. My, uh, my dad was rang me because the, the ship had docked and some people had got off. And so instead of uh, doing a, a live show, they put on, um, I think it was a Netflix special, essentially. They put on like the show to a comedian. And then later on, for the one that he actually stayed for was he wanted to watch Billy Joel live because he's a big Billy Joel fan. And obviously they're not going to put that on the, he's not going to do that boat. But they, they put on the sort of, I think it was at Madison Square Garden or something. And he watched the whole thing. And I found it really interesting that they would put that on or do that, especially as Netflix and, and a lot of binge watching and TV com- comedians and comedy has impacted a lot of the live circuit. And I wondered whether that's a trend you're seeing or whether uh, that's uh, just an interesting move forward where people are actually just being watching what they could watch at home, but in like a bigger cinema room that they don't have at home. What's going on there with the industry? Well, I remember when it started with one of the lines when they put the very large screen TV out by the pool yeah. and then they started showing 
watching um, uh, cartoons and kids movies. And, and that was brilliant, really, for the families, because, you know, the kids might Otherwise, I mean, it's sometimes between the, the kids program on board and going ashore, there, it seems like there's enough to do with kids, but parents really want relief when they go on yeah. vacation. And if they can sit around the pool and in, enjoy, you know, just hanging out there and the kids are, you know, playing in the pool and watching a movie at the same time, it proved to be pretty successful. Um, and then they also use those screens to support activities that they're doing out there. If they're having, um, you know, a dance party, then they can project on the screen you know something it gives it more of a disco feel they can do different types of um, uh, support for the events so I think it started there and it's just kind of grown every line once it once one line saw another line do it and saw it be successful they wanted to do it so you do you, you have started to see sports bars with all kinds of you know with like you know live feeds um, in different bars on board and more screens around the ship and uh, I don't know what, what do you think I think, yes, it's, it's, I know Netflix is doing the huge push for um, stand-up comedy. And that's great. I don't think it's influenced it so much because I think that the one thing that's always going to be uh, the consonant of entertainment is, is comedy. Um, you'll see times when jugglers are the, are the in thing and then, oh, we're bored of that. And then, oh, let's get some Broadway singers in. Oh, no, we're bored of that now. But there's always going to be comedy. Um, it's just in what capacity um, they're on board. I think even before Netflix, it was something or other. It was a, a DVD or it was the arena tours and, um, and whatnot. But... I think if it's not Netflix, it would be Comedy Central or somebody else doing it because there's always that need for comedy. If someone had done like a, like if you were booking someone who'd done a Netflix special or like a Conan appearance or something like that, would they be allowed to do that material on the ship or would it be a case of they probably seen it they're not no. going to want to watch it again. Yeah, you can absolutely do it. I mean, sometimes they the guests might like it because they, oh, oh, I've seen them do this. It's great. Watch, watch, watch. You know what I mean? Okay, so yeah. they actually like it. And um, listen, comics go back out on the same ship. You know, they might go on a ship and two weeks later be back on the same ship, but different guests, but it's the same material still. They're not mm. changing the material because it's the same ship. So it's just finding that the material, that solid 45-minute killer show, that works. Um, and of course, some guests may see it, but... 99% won't have seen that show before. So it's really just like honing that perfect. It's not a, it's not a time to try out material for sure on a main stage. Yeah. I'm 2,000 people like, oh, there's 2,000 people not laughing. Because, mm. you know, that's like, oh, written in the comment cards. No, he was just okay. I'd rather see someone else. That's going to affect your career on there. Mm. But if you, so if you're doing a show and you've got 2,000 people, I'm assuming there'll be an element of it that you want to make it feel in the room. You want to do a bit of observation. You want to do that sort of thing. Absolutely. And I'm guessing that so that is that is kind of them trying something out because they're in the room or do you think a lot of that ad-libbing has come out of years of doing it and so they just tried a little bit and it builds from there I think it's great to ad-lib and involve the audience that's fantastic but I think you still, still need to have those moments in between the ad-lib so when if something you feel like it's not working okay back to that joke that kills and then when someone comes in late or gets up oh where are you going all that kind of stuff it's great and the audience love to feel like they're a part of the show for sure um, especially with comedians and in the clubs it's real personal you're sitting right in front of the comedian so some of the lines prefer them to improvise a little bit with the audience um i feel like when it's a main theater it's this so large it's almost hard apart from round of applause if you've done this because you can't see anything <laughs> apart from let me hear you if you have yeah. done you know um but you can tell if it's working if two thousand people are laughing or not for yeah, sure yeah, of course. <laughs> but what i would advise against is building your whole show around that because we we have found that um you know the comics that are you know where are you from okay how long yeah that when they start out that way it just they, you have to start out with some material mm -hmm. you really have to show the audience that you are professional that you know what you're doing that you've got clever fun interesting material that they're mm -hmm. going to like and then you can break into a little bit more kind of you know back and forth with the audience play with them a little bit um, the un the other thing I would caution against is um, being aggressive with the audience <laughs> like in, an, in a negative way that yeah. doesn't work on a cruise ship the really important thing to remember is these people are on vacation they're yeah. there to have fun um, nobody wants to be insulted. So an aggressive, insulting kind of you know, comic doesn't work for us. Mm. You, you want to win their credibility before sure. you start to play with the credibility. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You have to. It's mm. really, really critical in that market. Yeah, because just because you're, it's going to sound quite harsh, but just because you've managed to get through the selection process to be in the gig doesn't mean they're going to instantly give you that level of respect. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely.
Okay, so obviously there are some acts that you actively represent, and I'm assuming there's some that you aren't signed to you, but you freelance in for stuff. Is that right, or do you only deal with acts? We that we only deal with acts that we are that we want to represent. That you represent. Okay, so let's say so let's you can pick any act if you want specifically, but let's just say comedian A that you represent. How does their scheduling work for you? Do they have other commitments often? So that you know they sort of split it. Is it a case of they can only work like a certain number of days at sea because of legislation? Is how far ahead do they know that they're going to be doing certain cruises? What, how does that work? It's really all over the place. Oh, all right, fine. So some some prefer to only work once a month, maybe, and then what we'll do is we'll take that schedule of when they're available and push it out there to the lines where we feel that person would be successful and try to get them dates that way. Others are looking to make a living doing this. It's tougher, but it can be done. Usually we have to move those performers around many different cruise lines to try to fill their schedule. Others want want to work only for one line and sometimes that line loves having that comic and will just give them a schedule in advance. We already have several comics completely booked for 2019. Mm-hmm. So it really just depends yeah i mean i think um as well it's it's, it's almost like that relationship thing and it's, it's also part of the the jigsaw and it's it's finding that comedian's home so because the lines are so different and the brands they appeal to you'll finally find a match more often than not but it's i don't think we have many if any comics that could work every single cruise line because they're all so different mm. um it's so hard to transition into each one so yeah, it's and some people do a lot of you know TV and, and and club work, but as long as we know upfront, just you'll give us your open calendar and we'll try and fill it if that's what you want. Yeah, it's a bit like uh, there's a naivety when you first start out. I'm sure you had this where lots of comedians go, "I want to play every room," yeah. and you're like, "Well, that's a stupid idea," because <laughs> like, you're never going to be able to do right. that. You're never going to have the option to play every room, so it seems really odd. So it makes sense that your job is basically pairing. Yes, and it's also like a slow process because going from that day where we will sign you to our agency, it becomes a long process then to um, submit the promo promo everywhere and um, to get that relationship built between them trusting us to try the act, getting the act out there. The date might be six months away once we get the date. They finally go on the date. Then they get the good report, which we wait a couple of weeks to receive. And then, so it can be like a year to get an act out there for a, for a couple of dates even you know um so a lot of it is that once an act does go out and do well though and we get you know, we get a good report back we can use that to 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 kind of convince some of the other lines that this would be a good act for you some are really more shy to hire new acts than others they've been maybe they've had a few that didn't go over well and they're timid to to uh try someone new so it really really just depends we do a lot of showcasing so we we'll showcase individually for a cruise line or we'll do a showcase and open up to a lot of different cruise lines invite the buyers when they can come in and see a performer for 10 or 15 minutes they get a much better idea if, if that performer is going to work on their line or not and then sometimes they'll wait around and meet the performer after the showcase is done they get a good feeling they get to know them a little bit and they feel more confident to give that person a try if if say comedian a did really well on cruise line a and cruise line a has a competitor let's call them cruise line b would cruise line b would that would that work to their advantage because obviously they're like well we're attracting the same people yep. or would it be like well they would they've been on that one we want someone else because we want a different no no, no they uh, actually I think they're much more comfortable with yeah so you have you know different you types of could, cruise lines you have luxury lines yeah. which are really the high end lines mm. um, much more expensive a very very well healed group of guests and um, only a certain type of comic can really work those lines successfully mm. and once we have achieved that with one comic who's done well on one of those lines we know that they're going to do well on the others as well so we have the confidence to push them it's the same with the kind of the more mass market lines the ones with the really large ships and you know that are appealing to a younger crowd for example Um, some lines are more adult than others so they they want a sophisticated comic not somebody who's just body you know yeah. it really, really really depends and that's where our knowledge comes in so understanding the demographics and the the comics strengths so that we're able to make it to make a match yeah and i think as well not forgetting that cruise lines are a corporation and it's all about ratings so from the onboard team it's you get nervous 
on board like like when a comic comes on board the last thing i want to hear is a cruise director before they go on stage is like oh this is my first time <laughs> i'm like what yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're like let's go through all of your material right now before yeah, you go yeah. on that stage because that affects ratings which affects bonuses for the onboard team which affects bonuses and ratings for the corporation in the offices in miami or wherever um so yeah it really is a lot about that that trust that report like it's, it's almost like a security blanket like it's okay like they've done a good job somewhere so they're definitely not gonna die a death yeah so we'll give them a try so it really does help to get that report yeah yeah you're talking about the report and and so a lot of uh holidays now have TripAdvisor things and a lot of people obviously on social media is that that report taking that into account or is the report specifically people on board who you know tech the uh theater or the, or the comedy club who are telling you what they think so, how, how does that work um so on board there's always a head of an entertainment department it's normally the cruise director or an entertainment director whatever they want to call it who, who go around with the ship uh, yes yeah, so they, okay, they'd cool. be on board so i did that and so i was on board for you know four to six month contracts at a time not a single day off it's all glamorous um <laughs> but you're the face of the entertainment department so when the guests come on you're you're the guy and they, all the guests think you book the talent on board they don't understand it's actually someone in an office somewhere um so uh yeah so that when a show happens the reports will come you'll get the the feedback straight after a show they love to tell you what they thought um so you can the audience yeah the, straight okay, cool. away yeah. so oh that comic last night oh i don't think he was very good mm -hmm. and um oh he was fantastic so you you know what the general and also it's your job to watch every show because you have to write your report back and what you thought they did from a professional level did the guests respond was it a standing ovation were people walking out were people laughing so that's one indicator that comes from the cruise director's opinion and then the second one would be at the end of every cruise um the guests have to write out a comment card um, and so they write their feedback on the acts and so that will get sent to the offices and sent back to the ships within one to two weeks and so from that you can see you can just highlight the the name of the comic and you'll see all of the the comments that came up with him great great thought he was hilarious so like great so that's kind of what it is it's the the feedback cards at the end of a cruise and the onboard feeling at the time we don't have time to go through yelp and trip advisors it's, it's really like what happened at the time because you're always going to get someone who will go on yelp and like you know found a hair in the food therefore ruined the entire cruise hated the comedy hated the production shows because it was hair in my food so you kind of have to be wary of things like that too you touched on uh, making a living from being a cruise comic and i think a fair amount of my audience are going to want to know whether that is a viable option and without uh, maybe going to specifics or maybe you can give general numbers is it a case of is the pay better or worse than land gigs is it where does it fit in in the scale of sort of clubs on land to corporate events not so sure about here in europe um in the States, it's become a very viable venue. Um, there are a lot of cruise lines, a lot of cruise ships, they all want comedy, so there's a, there's a fair amount of opportunity. Um, I think the clubs in the States don't pay that well unless you're a headliner, like a real headliner, like a name act. So it, it's, um, it's harder for the average comic who hasn't made it to that level um, to find reliable, steady work. So I, I think from our perspective, we have a handful of comics that pretty much just do the cruise industry. Then we have a, a larger group who maybe mix it up with some land dates and, and, and some cruises, maybe do 12 to 15 cruises a year, maybe 20. And then there are the comics who are really successful in the corporate market and in writing, they have writing gigs, they do a lot of other things, and they might only take five or six cruises a year. So it really just depends, and we get to know them. And actually, we, we kind of try to get on an understanding from the comic as we sign them, what they really are looking for. If you, you know, you have someone who we feel maybe might not be a star in the comedy industry, I mean, in the cruise industry, but they might, there might be some places where we can book that person and they're looking for 50 weeks a year. We're going to discourage that because we're not going to be able to do it. And the guy's going to be calling us every week. I need to eat. I need work. What are you doing for me? And we already knew up front that maybe he's limited because of the amount of material he has or the type of material he has or whatever it is, or he lives in some real far away place that it's difficult for the line to fly him to the ships all those things can kind of work against someone so we try to be as clear as possible with talent like this is what the expectation is you know we mm -hmm. if if you're expecting to work 52 weeks a year probably isn't going to happen i would say financially though as well it's it's, it's worth it because um apart from the several thousand a week you could get 
there's the merchandise to be had because you're then instead of just playing to a room of 50 in a club you now have a, thousands of people on board that might may buy a cd or a dvd so it's not even just the fee it's the merchandise that goes with it um so it can be quite lucrative for sure um and that's the addictive part of it it's like oh so i just go s- traveling for a week and just do one show and, and make this and like yeah it's uh, you meet all these people and then what happens is you never know who's in the audience on cruise ships nowadays. A lot of people will find work from people being in the audience mm. and they book corporate from that and they book uh, condos and, and gigs in comedy clubs in New York. And so for sure, it can definitely be lucrative. Um, yeah. do, do So that's allowed the, or, or is it a case that they have a merch stand that the ship will cover and look after or is it a case of the comedian will be selling their own merch outside and they're fine with that yep um, either or um, often it'll be the case of a comic would finish the show and as the cruise director's taken off the show you'll run around to the back of the theatre to meet someone from the shops on a table with mm. your merch ready to sell mm. um, you'll do the whole thank you for coming to my show mm. and the I'll shop person it. I'll sign yeah, it and yeah, the yeah. shop person will continue to sell for you nice and, and if someone did get work from a cruise is it a case of you get 15% of that money or is it a case of it's completely independent because it's kind of come do you know what I mean like they wouldn't have met if you hadn't done that but it's not the work you found them so it kind of feels it's a bit of both actually yeah. oftentimes you know they'll meet someone on board and that person will just talk to them directly and give them a card and say hey like you know we're having an anniversary party next year and I, I want you to be at that party and typically that would be direct sometimes they'll call the line or they'll call us uh, they'll they'll the guy will just give them our card and say, you know, we, we, I prefer to do everything through my agents. So they'll contact us directly and we'll book them on the, on the event. Or they'll just call and say, you know, I saw this comic and I, I think he's through you. And, you know, could, could, you know, would he be available to do this theater for us? And, and then we'll follow up on it and do it. So it's a bit of both. Yeah. And in terms of bombing on stage or bombing on the ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how neither of you wanted to ask this question. Oh, I've been there. Oh, wait, you're specifically saying he's bombed? Or you no, I was the cruise okay. director who had to take off the bombing comic. <laughs> okay, that, okay, so specifically, is that taking them off the ship? Or is that taking Both, them off? Both, actually, in this instance, yeah. How bad do you have to bomb to get oh, taken off a ship? Um, <laughs> yeah, because this was an instance where the comic was um, in the, doing the middle of one cruise and staying onto the middle of the next. So they would have mm. performed the same show to two different guests kind of yeah. thing. So they did the first set of guests and um, yeah it was pretty bad this was one of those instances in the wings like um, not only have I never been on a ship before but I've never even been on a theatre stage before wish me luck right and I'm yeah I've just died a little bit inside so um, as I'm watching from the wings I just no material like zero material and it was just improv with the audience but not even jokes so to the point where it was so bad not only did the whole I'm talking you watch the audience go from 1,500 to 100 in 10 minutes it then became it filled back up again because it was so bad people were saying you have to come watch this person die And so she, uh, it was a female, and I was, she was supposed to have a second uh, set uh, two hours later, and it was packed because people had spread the word, you're going to love how bad this comic is. Um, so anyway, <laughs> the 45-minute set, I convinced her to do 20 because people were mad that I wanted her to not do it. <laughs> okay. um, we've heard it was, we've heard we, about this show, we want to see it. We've paid money. We mm. want to see this bad comic. We're yeah. like, oh, God. So off she went for the 20-minute set instead of 45. Right. <laughs> and yeah, and that bombed was, that as well? And bombed that okay. as well. Right. One left, and so yeah, we asked, had to disembark her and the turn around and get a new comic to replace because she like airlifted off. It feels like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably thrown off, <laughs> oh, wow. off the plank. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, and it was, and it was. Listen, it's heartbreaking. Nobody wants that. No, the, the guests don't want to see that. The comic doesn't want it. I don't want it. It was just one of those you know mishaps that it just can happen from time to time. Mm. It's very, very rare. Um, but yeah, um, said comedian has since written a show about the experience and gone on tour with it. So, um, it's all material. Catch it at the fringe. Yeah, exactly. Are they here? <laughs> yeah, a couple. Oh. Of, I think it was last year. Yeah. Oh wow, that's <laughs> there. A, you go. So yeah, yeah something came, something positive maybe came out of it uh-huh. in a weird way. Yeah, um, that's good. For the, for the comic. Oh, yeah, I was saying for not the comic. Not for me on board, oh, oh, who had to hide for the last two days of the cruise because I was getting screamed at, why did you book that comic? <laughs> it wasn't me. Did you, how did you replace them then? Like, do you, do you have last minute stand-ins ready I, for that? You're right. You send an email to the office, get this person off the ship. Yeah. I can't have them perform next cruise. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, they contact the agent. Um, that person switches out with yeah. another comic. They come the next day. Who's available? Can somebody get to this ship mm. in a day's time and perform for a two-day gig and fly home again? I've just had a thought, how? bad it must have been for that 
replacement comic because people were probably still coming thinking it's going to be the shit one so they're probably just sitting there going go on be shit and and, then so there's just sort of having to bring it back up again was that was that what happened well no because those guests had left that's the thing so after two days the guest turned around and then the newcomer came to a new set of guests so they they had no idea thank goodness Um, i was like thinking that has got to be the hardest to kind of come back from but yeah. kind of it's annoying because we had like it was a 10 day 12 day cruise and the guests had forgot every single other entertainer apart from that one right <laughs> okay yeah I, I i wondered how you deal with bombings how how uh, what your level of support is for obviously the mental health of the comedian who is trying to be a character on a on a cruise ship and meet everyone but obviously hasn't performed well so it's obviously as you say gonna get feedback and gonna hear from people yeah i mean hopefully that never gets to that point of it did that time though that's the whole yeah, point yeah. of the <laughs> job the of an agent and the bookers yeah, yeah. actually that one happened because that comic showcased and the booker from that line loved that comic at the showcase mm. and and the comic you know to her credit did well at the showcase mm. and did well on another ship in a comedy club right. environment so many just cannot get past that. They're, they're, they're great in a comedy club, but they can't do a main theater. And, um, you know, just, we just didn't catch it. Mm. So the person ended up on, uh, on the main stage, and it just wasn't a good fit. Mm. So that does happen from time to time, but it's pretty rare. And it's, I'd, I'd say the level of caution yeah. <laughs> booking that line yeah. went up dramatically. That was a couple years <laughs> ago, yeah. and we've not had anybody bomb since then. So that, mm. that really... Um, is rare yeah. when that happens. Um, last two questions. Um, one, what are the biggest uh, common mistakes that comedians make when they first do a cruise line? Other than mention Trump. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, some, sometimes what I've seen is a, is a comic who we know has the right material will go out and do the wrong material. And they'll do it because they will get nervous. They'll be in front of a whole an audience and they'll think, oh, they're not laughing as much as they should. Let me just throw that one joke that I know always gets them in there. And But we know it's not the right joke. It's, mm. you know, might have sexual orientation or it might be bathroom humor. Or it just might be something that's not appropriate. But he's so used to getting a laugh for that that right. he'll throw it in there. Mm. And then that's just... That's just not a wise move to do that. Um, maybe missing a ship, that's never a good thing. I mean, not paying enough attention to the credentials of what you're, you know, what you're supposed to be doing, like what time you're supposed to get there, what time you're supposed to get to your rehearsal. You need to be on board by 1 o'clock, even though the ship doesn't sail till 5. Yeah. Um, maybe not looking at your airline ticket closely enough and <laughs> missing your flight. You know, those things will kill you before you even get on the stage mm. because no matter how great a comic you are if you mm. can't get to the gig on time um that leaves a lasting impression uh, can i just quickly expand on something you said there where you said uh so like if they've got some sexual orientation material and mm-hmm. before you were saying clean material and mm-hmm. avoiding certain subjects mm-hmm. H- how much is political correctness or or the sort of shift in political correctness i don't know how much it's impacted American comic in general but over here there's been a big move to be uh, more politically correct I think a lot more comedians are uh, even if they're right-leaning personally they're sort of performing more left-wing because it feels more liberal and they're able to talk about certain subjects in a certain way that appeals to more people how much is that affecting what people are saying on stage or are able to say a lot I, I mean we I mean, I think observational humor is the best at this point. Mm. It's very hard for a comic to do any political material. Mm. Um, you don't want to attack somebody on their weight. I mean, the buffet jokes are the buffet jokes, but you, say, mm. you have to be careful because, of, you know, the whole there's a, a real movement in the wellness community, and that's um, something that you want to be careful about. Uh, bathroom humor only belongs in a comedy club. Um, <laughs> sexual-oriented humor, same thing. In a comedy club, you really can't do it on a main stage. Um, what do you think? I think that's a big difference as well from being on board with a British audience and an American audience. It also depends on that because, you know, as Brits, we love the old panto innuendos, the puns that will fly over the kids' heads, but the, mm-hmm. the, the, the adults get. Yep. Um, there's a lot of that as well. But it's also just a huge shift even from, like, you know, the 1980s comics of Jim Davison's and the misogyny and whatnot to the current day. You just can't do that anymore. You can't do impressions of accents of wherever the person may be from, of an Indian or a Chinese person. As a cruise director, you just in the wing, like on tent hooks, doing 
any comic set unless you know the comic well because you're like what could the because at some point there'll be one guest takes offense to something and he need to be there to listen to the entire set to see was it actually offensive or is this person just you know being miserable mm. um so it's a lot of that as well and it's that's what's so tough being a comic on a ship because anyone can be offended for the slightest thing because everyone is from all over the world from every different race or nationality with different backgrounds so um what's not offensive to you as a british person maybe to a south african you know so there's a lot of that as well but yeah for sure it's it's on the comics best interest as well to try and play it safe because that one person complaining can make it into the report mm. so it doesn't matter that the other three thousand people loved it that one person complaining is in the report yeah. i guess thought it was to this or yeah. too raunchy and you're like oh. um last question if you could give one bit of advice to a few thousand comedians who would love to get into performing on cruise lines what would you say to them i would say send us your promo (laughs) (laughs) contact us but you know really pay attention to that promo um do do some homework and that's what i always try to tell them i've done a lot of panels at comedy festivals and things like that and i try i try to tell the comics do some homework go go look at the websites of the of, of go look at our website for example and see what comics we're booking see mm. and look at their reels and, mm. see, and see why you know why we're booking them mm. you know what what it what how they look and how they're what kind of material they're doing and or maybe go watch some of their other material on YouTube and see see what's working um, and then you know check in with us and and mm. see what you think it's really a, a lot about it about the cruise industry is understanding the industry itself mm. you know um, and a lot of that, they're gonna just do some work on your own. I mean, we can't we can't do it all for you. We've got lots of people calling saying, "I really want to work on a cruise ship. What do I need to do?" I don't have time. No, you know, no, we no, don't no. we don't have time to do that. You yeah. know, we're we're we we'll do it if we see somebody and we think they're they're really good and they have potential. Obviously, mm. we'll do that. But we get contacted by hundreds of people. So mm. obviously, if the the one who's done more homework than the next is going to grab our attention more quickly, I would say. Promo material is the key. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the tool that we're going to see to be interested in you in the first place to maybe explore more, but it's also going to be what gets you the job in the first place as well with the bookers. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to work on cruise ships, you need to get your friend who's good on Mac, if you're not, to put a, so a couple of edits together of something. Um, but really, is this 90 seconds that are about to see your best 90 seconds that's going to sell yourself? Or have you just got someone to film your last gig on an iPhone <laughs> and we are just watching the first 90 seconds of your set? Like Robin said, go on um, dcptalent.com and look at our comics and look at their promo. It's 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 in your face. They want high energy. They want laughter. We want to see, you know, we want to see the product that the person's going to be buying. It's mm. like buying something at the supermarket. Like, you know, yeah. what I see is what they want to buy. And I don't want anything, I don't need to defer from that. Don't yeah. show us your clear material and then go on stage and do a completely different set. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, that's not what we saw on the tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think promo material and um, for sure, yeah, do your homework. Great. Thank you very much for coming on. That was Dan and Robin. Their take on the cruise ship industry, their honesty on what it takes to make it and how they scout and... Uh, I really found it interesting how Trump is now their big swear word. Um, I feel like that man has had way too much of an impact on the comedy industry. And given the amount of comedians I see doing material about Trump, it must be agonizing for them to watch a performer they probably want to book, but then they hit the T word and maybe they'll have to have a conversation with them before they even think about progressing it to a contract or to even discussing whether they'd like to do cruise ship comedy. I loved hearing how social media and TripAdvisor has impacted the industry. I think we've all bought something or gone somewhere or done something on a holiday as a result of a review from a complete stranger on a website which is fascinating to me and it really shows the power of word of mouth marketing which as someone who uh, goes to the Edinburgh Festival every year is more than aware that it makes and breaks a show so it's interesting that that also applies at sea Um, Although I don't think cruise ship comedy is my calling, I did learn a lot about that side of the industry. And if you think it is something for you, I've put a link in the show notes where you can send them your showreel. Uh, Also, if you'd like to thank them, I've put both their handles as well as the Don Casino Twitter handle in the show notes. So you can tweet them or me. I'm at This Made Me Cool. Sending a thank you really helps out the show and it really shows the support from the audience base to the industry themselves. So if you could do something like that, maybe not for this episode if you don't want to, but for any episode that you've really appreciated take a minute tweet the guest tweet me and i'll thank you personally for doing that because it really helps us out 
If you've enjoyed this episode, you might also enjoy my episode with Jeremy Lee from JLA on how to crack the corporate comedy circuit. I've also interviewed a number of comedy club owners from around the UK, and if you just have a scroll back through the uh, feed, you should be able to find, I think I've done 12, 12 or 15 in the last 100 episodes, so that should be enough to keep you going. Uh, I've also got a few coming out soon, including Binti from Hot Water Comedy. Can't wait for that one. That is going to be amazing as they have an outstanding reputation and frankly the club is amazing and the ethos behind it. And Anyway, I'm not going to get into that too much, but keep your eye out for that one. The Ask the Industry podcast is a fruit that got in gravity's way production for the internet. All elements were created by me, comedian Simon Kane. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for subscribing. And thank you very much for rating and donating if you do. I'll see you all in about 14 days time. Uh, before you go, before you go, before you go, uh, I just want to quickly say uh, I'm going to be at the Edinburgh Festival. I'm drilling down the details on dates, times and all that sort of stuff. But just so you're aware, uh, I'm going to be at the Edinburgh Festival in 2019. I'm also going to be previewing the show from about April onwards around the country. And then I'm going to be on tour in September and October. Now, this is the most vague plug I've done for anything, but essentially I'm going to be updating my website with these details as soon as they are available. Please do keep an eye out for them. I'd really appreciate it as that would really help. The one thing I can confirm is I am doing a one-off potentially DVD record. Again, that is something I'm, I'm dealing with. I'm sorting it out of sex, drugs and other things I never do at the Bloomsbury Theatre in London on the 21st of March 2019. If you can come to that, please do. Uh, if you would like to get half off the tickets, tweet me. Tweet, tweet me something like tweet, tweet me tweet me something mysterious like my uh, my favourite macaroon is strawberry flavoured, right? Tweet, tweet me that, and I will DM you the discount code so you can get money off your tickets to come and see that show live i'd really love to get some of your listeners in and to watch the show i'm really really excited about it but also really nervous about it as it's quite a big space even though it's uh, the studio space but um yeah i want to get the the thing recorded and out the door so if you can come please do if you can't come please tell a friend and hopefully they'll come thanks for listening bye